When will they ever learn? I want you to give me his real name because he often has two. I first got to know him as South Africa's favorite Dunny who hung around largely politicians talking about some very serious things, but all through humor, which was probably the most necessary thing at the time at which certainly I became politically alive. I'm talking about none other than Dunny Evita Besedenot. If you know his real name, give us a dial, have a chat with him for today's Tuesday. And you know what that means. It's the hashtag Tuesday Takeover. I'm very proud and happy to have him here. He's previously been a guest of the show, but not in person. First of all, because it was happening at the height of COVID and the lockdown regulations were all permeating our lives. But importantly, now we are on the other side of it, at least for the most part. And we were successful in securing his presence. And certainly the honor really is all mine. I'm not going to call you by first name because I'm sure there's a South African right now who's typing away or about to call in to tell me who my guest is. But I'll just say, Tani, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Bye, donkey. Thank you. Very, very well. It's very nice to be in the studio and see you people working at night. You know, very few people in politics work at night. And here you are. Well, I'm not in politics. I can tell you that for free. But it's great that you see me as important enough to even belong in that arena. Albeit, I would probably take that with some advice. That all said, how are you? You're looking good. You're very busy at Monte Cassino, still entertaining after so many years in the industry. What have you been up to? You were talking about being in London recently. Well, now that Evita has left the room, I can tell you that it has been a huge relief that for two years during COVID, there was no Evita per se, no. And so I grew a beard. And that was nice to have. You know, I can do Margaret Thatcher with a beard, but not Evita Besaidnet with a beard. <laughs> and, um, and then I suddenly realized that she was also in lockdown. She couldn't get to the hairdresser. And so when I brought her back to life again after nearly 18 months, mm -hmm. she had short gray hair and she looks a bit like Helen Mirren. And she's found a new life. So Evita Besaidnet is out there doing important things, planning for the visit of Vladimir Putin, who she will entertain in her kitchen and hide in her pantry when somebody wants to arrest him. Tell us said. about this. I mean, you're rocking <laughs> high flyers here. Listen, Vladimir the, Putin. listen, I have the best scriptwriters in the world, you know, called the African National Congress. So I've, oh, I'm never, <laughs> listen, I've never, never sat with my mouth full of teeth. I just uh, enjoy the excitement of... Um, of actually laughing at fear because people are so frightened now. We've got to actually laugh at that fear and make it less fearful. Uh, and so that's happening. It's happening. Do you have political opinions on this matter? I have huge opinions, but I don't, I don't force my audience to listen to my opinions. I have a definition, 49% anger, 51% entertainment. Well, I'll ask because I'm interested. Forget about the listenership. Vladimir Putin very much will be in South Africa. That I can just about guarantee anybody. Well, it's going to be an enormous amount of material. I'll have to really do my Russian, get my Russian all sorted out. Well, how far are you with that project? I'm working on, well, you know, when all that money was found in Cyril's lounge. Did you get some? No, but I suddenly worked out something interesting when they said in Afrikaans, does any Rusbank? I think there were too many languages in the room. And when somebody said, put the money in the Rusbank, they meant the Russian bank. Because everybody's got a bank account in St. Petersburg, but they put it in the lounge, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the couch. So you see more material. Um, no, it's, it's a very exciting time to live in, especially with the election coming up next year. Yeah. Everybody's involved with yeah, either yeah. thinking about it or not. So uh, I've just got to do my work. Being? Being 
Um, listener, listener, uh, doing the right thing about the balance of of humor, the balance of humor, the difference between comedy and humor, because comedy is a joke and humor is like a fingerprint. I think everybody's got a sense of humor. And again, laughing at fear, being being confronted with what you don't and what to think about. So, I mean, that's what I do. Not all the time, because the show I'm doing uh, at the moment at, at Monte Cassino is a memoir. So that takes people through my life from the beginning uh, to, to now and involve them as well, because we were all around during apartheid. Not mm. all of us, but most of my generation. Sure. Um, and um, it's extraordinary to see how much one can share with people without them actually knowing who I was. They kept on saying, but I've also been through those things. So that's been a nice ex exercise for me to sit on a chair and tell a story. I've always wanted to ask you, because now that you are talking, I reflect back to the memorial service of Kada Asmal in Cape Town 2011. You took in the, the city stage, hall in the city mm. hall with Trevor Manuel, and I found my way out of doing articles and supposedly billing for my hours. <laughs> I was like, "There's no way I'm missing on this one." And then I happened to walk in at a time where you just took the stage, and you mimicked Kada Asmal. And then he was like, "Why are you mimicking me? Why don't you do somebody like Fervut?" To which you retorted, "Because he's got more to apologize for." And 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 the reason why I'm regaling this account, Peter, is because you have found ways to tell the political narratives of the country in a manner that lands a little bit better, through humor, perhaps, mm -hmm. through Tani Evita Besaidenot. Can you share with us your journey in the South African narrative, whatever that means to you, and in part being at the forefront of it, not necessarily through holding leaders of, I mean, holding positions of power or in the established positions of society, but you, in your unique way, through art, your gift of the language, both English and Afrikaans, being Peter on the one hand and Evita on the other. What can you share with us? What have you learned about South Africa? What has South Africa learned from South Africa, from itself, in the relevant period, both from pre-94 to now? It's an extraordinary thing. It's like 10 essays I've got to look and read now because uh, the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because my plays were banned by the censor, censors in 1975, 76. <coughs> I couldn't do my plays, and I thought the only way that I can actually earn a living uh, is to do reviews and make fun of them. Um, and that's where I started with Adapt or Die in 1981. And I suddenly found that the only way to survive is to confuse the, the enemy with, um, with, uh, with anarchy. So I had sexual anarchy being me and Evita, and that was illegal for men to wear women's clothing, so I could tick, mm. tick that box as well. Uh, and it so must have come with some serious stereotypes, being an Afrikaans man at the time. Ah, you're you're mofi, you know. Oh no, a huge amount of that stuff. But I also realized that Evita Besaidnet was the first person to write letters to the newspaper saying Peter Dugay should be locked up. He's a communist and a terrorist and he's wearing women's clothing. In fact, I wrote she wrote a letter to Adrian Flock saying, Adrian, you must do your job. Peter Dugay says Really? Yeah. And so I posted the letter and I thought, ha ha ha. A letter came back from him in which he said, Evita, may scut. I can't lock up Peter Dergais because the jails are full of everyone else. Do you know what a shock that was? You don't expect your enemy to have a sense of humor. They all have a sense of humor. They all have charisma. And they are very, very dangerous when they pretend not to have. I mean, Donald Trump, dangerous. <laughs> and we've got a few lurking around the corner as well. Namely? Oh, I don't want them to feel special. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's been a, a, an extraordinary uh, alphabet of survival. Um, 
through my absolute ad- adoration of this country. I love South Africa and I love being a South African. Um, and I'm worried about so many young people are planning to leave because of the confusion and the they fear. Are and it's it, we, we can't afford that. Um, you know, I'd, so I just have to do it by day by day. I mean, today, for example, our, our dear uh, Naledi Pando made a speech in which she said, we don't need any more artists. And I thought, that's not a nice thing to say, darling. So I have to, I have to weave her into the next narrative as well. Well, um, you've got your hands full for sure. Hands full, mouth full, and brain full, and uh, still healthy and happy, and um, 77, which is the new 55. Brilliant. Um, yeah, so it's so far so good. And here with you. And I li- thought you'd never say and, that. And this is live. You know, live is so yes, rare yes, and so yes. important. Very so I'm important. very happy that we've got hundreds of thousands of people listening in, waiting for a new song by Marlene Dietrich, I suppose. You, have you played that already? We shall play it. You've you will the, play. You've got until the top I've, of the I was hour. allowed one song, and I've chosen, no, we'll give I think, you as many as you want. Song. It's your show. <laughs> but before I make it your show and quite literally leave mm. the platform, tell us about your guest, this charming man next to me here. My guest, my charming man, is a judge. Uh, my, my guest is also an activist. My guest is also a chancellor at a university. The great Martis. My guest, yes, is also a very, very special human being. My guest is known to, I suppose, most people in this country for what he has done to keep us relatively sane. And he is also one of my best friends, and we've known each other for over 40 years. And the most extraordinary thing is we're going to have now a chance to do something we've never been able to do, just sit and talk to each other. We usually meet somewhere in an airport and we wave at each other. Where are you going? I'm going south, I'm going north. How are you? Fine, fine, fine. And really, truly, this is a great treat for me. So um, Edwin Cameron is here and he's going to be my guest. And I am very honored. And thank you for inviting us here to have a nice time together. Well, both Mervyn in KZN and Kaz in Durban have guessed it right. The hashtag Tuesday Takeover on today, the second day of May, is one and only Peter Dirk Ace. After the break, ladies and gentlemen, humor him, humor Judge Cameron, let them humor you. Let's, let's have a good show. These are the kinds of occasions really that matter when people who have contributed so much to who we are as a people who have been able to allow us to introspect through the formal processes, judgments from the Constitutional Court, where we have to engage our society for what it is, to what it must be, should be, can be, the aspirations of Edwin Cameron, to who we are and reviewing what we can yet be from the accounts that we can perhaps look back with a less bit of pain, not to suggest that all the pain is gone away, the narratives of apartheid and, of, for sure, the narratives of the transition and the democracy that we now have and whether or not it's something to be owned collectively, severably, as the case may be, through humor, especially Peter Case. Both of them are in studio, in person. Respect them, for they have respected you. They are here, and you know what to do. The next 40 minutes, it's them. I'm out. We'll chat on the other side of the new hour. Well, I am very honored to be sitting here in the driver's seat that I have been wanting to do for a long, long time. And coming into the SABC studios reminds me of the times that I was never allowed into the SABC studios because they said it was a communist and a terrorist. 
And so Evita Poseidon was the one who could come into the SABC live and get away with it. And when they recorded me live, they kept the recording for four weeks until the lawyers had checked that I hadn't insulted all demone in the Groot Goed. So it's wonderful for me to be here. And my friend Edwin is sitting opposite me. And really, truly, I am very thrilled just to say to you, happy birthday, darling. <laughs> Didn't you have a birthday a few days ago? A couple of months ago. I turned 70, which is a great joy. And uh, I took a few days off with my family and we went away. And so that I got back this morning. And when Bridget said to me that Peter and Songhezu want to invite you to be a special guest, nothing was going to stop me from being here this evening. And Portugal, Portugal on the other side of the world. Yes. And here again, did you find a sort of a culture shock leaving here and coming back? Always. We, we were in a friend's house, a very old friend of mine who has a house there. So it was easy to do. Uh, but yes, the difference is we were in a very remote rural part of Portugal. And yet... Peter, as you've shown through your humor and through your satire and through your political leavening, we're all very, very frail, stupid, fearful, potential human beings. So Portugal is quite a special country, isn't it? I mean, they've done things quietly yeah. that the world has not noticed. Yeah. And I think very, very one, one's quite jealous of of their logic and their, uh, I suppose, looking after each other. That's the feeling I had when we went for the first time. Very much so. Mm. And one of the things I'd like to mention, because of the job that I now do, having retired as a formal judge, is that Portugal abolished criminal prescriptions on drugs. Yes. Now, you think you can't abolish criminal prescriptions on drugs. Drug lords are going to take over. It's going to become a drug market. People are going to become... The opposite happened. Violence levels, levels fell, addiction levels fell, mm. criminality levels fell. So I've been arguing, and it, I know it seems improbable until you do it, that we've got to cut out the – you've got to treat drugs as a public health issue. Yeah. And by doing that, you can break the power of the gangs and the criminal cartels. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's amazing you should say that because another thing that I feel very strongly about is actually – Looking at, um, I'm, I want to choose the word carefully because it's the radio. No, I don't have to. Women who sell sex, mm. I want them to be treated like citizens of a country and not like criminals. And with our democracy, 29 years old, mm. nothing has changed for them. They are still being hunted and the gangs are controlling them. So that's something we can also... What happens in Portugal as a matter of interest? Is that also something sex that's changed? Sex work is not illegal, and we're getting there, Peter. Mm. Minister Lamola, very sensitive to the gender implications of persecuting women, because most sex workers are women. Yeah. Most uh, uh, women who are prosecuted for sex work are, are, are obviously uh, women. So there's, there's a bill now before Parliament, and it just needs to be passed, and that will be a step forward. Because once you remove the, as we know, mm. we, we know as two gay men, Peter, once you remove the criminal prescription, the criminal stigma, the criminal inhibition, the criminal branding on your forehead, things actually do improve. Isn't it wonderful to just sit for a moment and look at where we are in this world of ours as we are two gay guys, mm. how the freedoms have just come and embraced us mm. and how frightened we were and how dangerous it was, and how lucky we were to have escaped mm. the murders and the hurt. And the, I mean, 
all I cannot tell you how many times I had friends who were injured and beaten up and and it was it was it was a it was a game for the police and it was just grim and now people get marry the people they love yeah. i mean really truly it is extraordinary yeah. extraordinary and yeah. uh, i think we led in many ways as well yeah. in 1994 91 92 with our constitution yeah, why why is the constitution so foreign to too many south africans how I can we make it more can we write a song around it very good idea and in fact peter you famously went on a national tour i think with a train nohal for aids education you can do the same for constitutional education and our host here songeza will help you he will be be your 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 chief your commander in chief of of constitutional education and he's just he's just accepts the job now <laughs> our listeners can't see this they can't see that you know it's amazing traveling around the country with a woman who doesn't exist but she's real in fact it was besides the aids and hiv uh, uh, program it, it 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 led towards that because that when i did the hiv aids thing with the schools that was in 2001 2002 at the height of the great manto mesimang salad mm. and the horrible reality of of what happened to so many people and that was an incredible turning point in my life to go to children and treat them as adults and they want to be adults especially when it comes to sex and use language using language in a school hall that they don't even speak loudly in the toilets was a wonderful moment because the kids would listen to everything after that but the thing with the train is uh, Lynn Marie and I wanted to do an educational thing about about uh, the, the vote so we we started with an idea of a train we went to the train people some of them w- were famous through the zondo commission as well this was in 1990 1999 and we did six months six weeks two performances a day from cape town to petersburg mm. about doing things about the vote is secret the vote is sacred but with evita with humor in townships in unbelievable discovering the country mm. after Nelson Mandela had not stayed for a second mm. a second try on on the presidency um and that also opened my eyes to the importance of uh, humor mm. of sharing mm. fear with people and making them laugh mm. and uh, yes the hiv aids you know the one thing worries me to this day is that people think that aids has got a cure it hasn't got a cure mm. it's got treatment mm. So I think I might I go back to schools to talk about sex and condoms and the, the word no and and the respect to that with that it needs to 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 encounter uh, at school. So Peter, it's a full-time job. M- may I say that that's one of the reasons why my closest family members and I actually went to celebrate my 70th because 25 years ago in November I started antiretrovirals and 25, 25 years, years later I'm totally fully healthy. Yes, the virus is suppressed. I can't pass it on to anyone. I've been virally repressed for the almost the entire time of the, the 25 years. I take one tablet a day. So it's I'm so glad you've told me that. That is really important. It's important. Um I worry about the, the young people who don't have the information yes. where they can actually get the balance. Um and there's an enormous amount of energy out there i mean me 77 okay fine but i'm very aware of young people's energy and young people's the focus on social media which has taken them completely out of the loop mm-hmm. of what if you read what movies do you like 
Have you heard of Marlene Dietrich? No, no, no. It's Google, Google, Google. Um, so one has to try and catch up mm. with the language. Again, I have people in my audience who bring their children because they phone me and they said, I want to bring my children. Do you use swear words? I said, yes, once or twice I use the word apartheid. And they come. And the kids are far ahead of the of parents. Yes. And the parents sometimes say, we're scared to go home with our children after your show because they say, mommy, what does that mean? And then mommy's got to actually explain. Mm. Um, so everybody wins somewhere mm. along the mm. line. Mm. Tell me something about, I saw again, you were at Oxford. Uh, you had your education at Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar. After Stellenbosch, yeah. After Stellenbosch. Did you have anything to do with the, uh, the, the cabaret at Oxford? The, the people, the Monty Python people, did you meet any the, of them they, there? They were half a generation older, P, uh, Peter, but they were still famous at Oxford, uh, John and Cleese and, 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 and the others. And so humor was also part of very the entertainment so, and, and, so. and irritating the right people? Yeah, that's right. And, and, and the, the vein of satire, the vein of seeing how ridiculous we really are, how our pretensions, our pomposities, our grandeur are actually nothing and and that that we make ourselves ludicrous by by, by a reposing value in them i find it very worrying that satire is still something that people don't understand i know the dish the dish the um, uh, definition that i remember getting from from a few books about about um who was that great satirist who uh, lenny bruce yes. lenny bruce who said uh, to describe it he said tragedy plus time equals satire mm. Which is in an American point of view works because mm. they did MASH, the great TV series, which actually was about Vietnam, yeah. but they couldn't talk Vietnam yeah. yet. Here, especially during those apartheid years, there was no there was no time, yeah. and the tragedy was nearly too high. Yeah. That afternoon, you had to prepare to speak to the audience that evening about mm. what happened that morning. Mm. So it's not even satire as people expected it to be, and of course satire was needed when the world was normal. The world was normal in the old days, mm. so satire had to be red hair with a funny nose, and, and, and now the world is completely crazy, so satire has got to be normal and ordinary, and that's where the shock is, because mm. people don't... Did you, how, when were you actually confronted by something satirical, as a young man, as a student? Um, I think at school. At school? Yeah, I was lucky at, at, at my high school, Pretoria Boys High, I was lucky there. They were... There were satirical jokes made. So I think, it's as you were saying before we came on air when we were talking to Songhezo, I think that every person has a sense of humor like a fingerprint. That was yeah. what, what you yeah. said. And I think that's right. So I think that if you can tap that portion of a person's uh, a personality, then you can make a breakthrough. Well, I think the, the definition, the, the difference for me between comedy and 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 humor, com comedy is the joke, which I love jokes, but I c can't remember them so well. I start with the punchline, so that it doesn't work. But humor being something so personal, um, that, for example, you walk into a room and your best friend is behind the door, mm. and the best friend goes, boo, and you skrick your mouth back and go, ah! And then you say, ha ha, it's you. That's humor. Ha ha, I know you. Mm. You could be dangerous. Mm. You could kill me, but mm. I've got my eye on you. And that's kept me alive. That's kept me going. Because it's very easy to lose heart when you are frightened. Mm. And they were very clever in the old days of apartheid to frighten you into silence. And, and also some people have learned today to use fear as well. Um, one thing I did during this lockdown, just because I didn't know what to do besides grow a beard, 
was to try and put all my reviews of the apartheid era on my website. Mm. And I had to type them out because th there was no computer in those mm. days. So I did Adapt or Die, Total Onslaught, Beyond the Rubicon. When we met each other, those were the times that there was the legal thing of can you say this, can you say that, and how you helped me also fight the censors. Um, and I, as I was typing these things out, I thought, how did I get away with it? But secondly, why is the fear still here? So I thought I've got to do a backstory to these characters for anybody who reads it on the website. And then when I did the backstory, I thought I've got to actually do a political backstory mm. on, the, on the, the absurdity of the obscenity of apartheid. Mm. And I suddenly ended up with 488 pages. To cut a long story short, publisher said, we, haven't, we can't sell it. And I said, you're right. I've put it in my website, pdu.co.za, free. I have it's since no, November the first book, the first volume, free in free in in the. I've had feedback from all over the world, mm. including from schools in our country, where I used to, when I went with my AIDS program, I sent them the link of of the one man shows, the black and white years, and the kids are now doing the sketches, which I did in 1981, including the Winnie Mandela sketch. The girls do that, and then they say, why was Winnie Mandela in this satirical show? History then steps into the classroom. Mm. And that is my, I suppose, what I am going to work at for the rest of my life. You know, mm -hmm. hopefully it's more than five minutes um, to bring history back, to remember where we come from mm -hmm. so we can celebrate where we are going because there's a lot to celebrate. The fact that we can sit here and talk mm -hmm. without looking around and say, can we say that, is a great celebration. Mm. I agree. I think there are new monsters, Peter. I think there are monsters in our democracy like hunger, latrines, oh God, yes. like uh, insufficient housing, monsters like corruption, deep, 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 deep into the police force, high, 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 high up into the police force. So these, these are the monsters which are real, uh, which, and they are threatening our uh, constitution, yes. they're threatening our rule of law, they're threatening our legal order. But the the good thing about all of this, the good thing about every single problem we have in our country is that not one single problem cannot be remedied. Yeah. If we set our minds to it with proper leadership, we have the means, we have the energy, we have people of goodwill, Peter. That's the extraordinary thing about our country. You know, you, you, you arrive at the SABC on a rainy Johannesburg night at the beginning of May, and the, uh, the sounds corny, but... The, the, the generosity and, and, and the friendliness of all the staff from, from the, 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 the man at the, at the boom gate right through the, uh, the lady who brought us up from, from security. It's very moving mm. because we've got the people. We've got the people who want to make our country work. The people who want to give our country dignity, the dignity of not being a corrupt, failing state. And we can get there. I give, I give Evita most things to say nowadays because she really has an audience. Um, one thing she always says is that good news and bad news. There is always good news. Two parts of good news for every part of bad news. But you must find the good news because it's working. Bad news is up there with the red dress going blah, 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 blah. And I have huge, huge respect for the people. I mean, growing up in South Africa, growing up in Pinelands, my greatest friend when I was a little boy was our maid, Sunny Abada, who was my Cape Colored or my Cape Flats mother, who taught me the, taught me the wonderful Afrikaans. Yeah, I go Afrikaans, I go praat, 
and just really broke down all those barriers of superiority that I was in, that I was allowed to invest myself in uh, and become her friend. And we went together on the tw- 27th of April, 1994, to vote together. And uh, it was just such an extraordinary celebration. And I met so many wonderful people that we weren't supposed to meet. Mm. Um, and um, I think today the, the, the great thrill is to find the people that were the, 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 the children and the grandchildren of the people I knew when I was, when I was a little boy and see where they are. And they've all done some wonderful things. Not that they're rich. They, some of them are still poor, but nobody's ashamed of it. And they have the respect of getting on with it. And their children are allowed to ask questions, which I was never allowed to ask questions in those days. We have the freest media, the freest public discourse, the freest political debate, I think, anywhere in the world. Because even in, uh, in England, through most of the world, uh, all of Russia, all of China, most of the Caucasus, a lot of South America, most of the rest of Africa, the kind of discourse that is freely spoken here, outrageous things about our political leaders, is forbidden there, but here it thrives. It thrives as material. Thank you, yes. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. Welcome back. I'm Peter Dirk Ace, your Tuesday takeover. And my guest here, of course, Edwin Cameron, and I have been chatting because we know each other for a long time. But you also have a chance to come into the conversation if you want to call us on 86 or and send your voice notes to 0614-104-107. Keep them under a minute, please. Otherwise, we'll have to switch you off. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing if anybody's going to phone in because that's yes. also something that's yes. nice to know. Yeah. I really, truly want to ask you what it feels like to be 70. Mm. Tell me, because I'm 77 and I feel 55. It feels fabulous, Peter. You know, when I was very sick with AIDS... Mm. 25 years ago, uh, I should have been dead within 30 to 36 months. So my life since then has felt like a joy. And that's why it feels like a joy to be alive, to be alive in South Africa, to have worked uh, the, the, the treatment action campaign, Zaki Ahmed leading the treatment action campaign, secured antiretroviral treatment for everyone. So I'm one of nearly 6 million people who are on ARV drugs keeping ourselves alive, keeping ourselves Mm. healthy. So it feels fabulous to be 70. And it's very nice to know that as a person living with HIV on successfully repressed ARV therapies, successfully repressed HIV, your life expectancy is about the same as anyone else's. Yep. And we have, do we have uh, somebody phoning in? A voice note? What is the voice note? I come from Cape Town. I don't know about voice notes. Does somebody get to write something down? Hey, God, good day. Good evening, Songezo. Uh, Danny E, as well as Judge Cam. We are from Pretoria. I just want to find out from Judge Cameron, what is your feeling or your stance on the South African laws regarding marijuana? 
because we're very confused. We don't know if it's legal. We don't know if we can smoke like one joint, a small banky. They say you can smoke it at home, but then if the police officer catches me with amount the size of my fingertip, he's going to put me in jail. So what is your stance on South Africa's marijuana laws? Thank you. Hi, good evening to you, Sengezo. And and, 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 and and to Mr. Pereirnod. Hey, man, Sengezo, it's scary. God bless you, brother. God bless you for bringing Evita. You know, hey, man, hey, I'm laughing and I'm enjoying myself. Thank you, man. I think this is your best, best show. Keep it up. Hey, buddy. It pays to listen to SAFM, eh? My goodness, when you first said, well, we should name the name of us. I didn't know you were talking about your guest. I thought uh, he's talking about Marlene Dietrich. I don't remember when last I listened, <laughs> I've listened to this one. That was a long time. That was a long time. But you know, I'm, I just said to myself, ah, you made my night because it's not the day now. Let me go watch Arsenal playing now. Thank you very much. We are low chat here. So I can't sit in the house. I don't have generator. Maruma from my king. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy. Say hi to your, to your guests there in the studio. And thank you very much. Hi, it's Peter Dirk Ice. He's wonderful. Thank you. Bye. It's Felicity. Bye. Felicity. Felicity. Bye. Peter, I want to ask, uh, answer Buya's question. Yes, it's please such do. a good question. Please do. I couldn't hear if it was Sibuya or Buya, but Buya, good evening. And thank you to Maruma and the others for their wonderful voice notes as well. It's wonderful to hear your appreciation, which we give all to our default host, Song Eza, and to our special host this evening, Peter Dukes, <laughs> a legend in his time. I'm, I don't know. I must ask you, what is it like to be a legend in your time, Peter? It's noisy. <laughs> Let me answer Buya's question. Yes, please. I was part of that panel. The, the case came, Judge Dennis Davis in Cape Town had given a wide-ranging decision that said it's unconstitutional to persecute people who have uh, in possession small quantities of dacha for their own use. Mm -hmm. And we confirmed that. And Judge Zonda, who was then Deputy Chief Justice, now Chief Justice, gave a wonderful judgment. But Buya has put his finger on it. Buya, you've caught out the lawyers. We didn't do enough. We didn't tie down all the ends. We didn't say, can you, for ex example, grow it? Well, we, we think that the, the, the judgment implies that you can. Can you buy it if you're able to, to possess it for small quantities to, to smoke for your own purposes? Can you buy it? I would think you should be able to, but we didn't sort that out. That's why there should actually be a statute. So, Boya, I'm sorry you are still being persecuted by the police. I hope you're not, but I hope that very occasionally, when you've done your work and you've done your, your duties for the day, you get stoked up a bit. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> the most extraordinary thing is all these things that were so dangerous when we were younger, and suddenly now they are part of the menu, and we're still alive and everybody else is still alive. I mean, the idea of marijuana just being there as a choice is a very good idea. I wished actually they would put all drugs down away from the easy way, which is through the gangs, through the extraordinary amount of money that is being paid 
and also where children feel that they are adult when they actually take part in something they don't understand. Um, I had a very, a very shocking experience a few weeks ago in Darling. I went to the spa and I saw two young teenagers who were little puckies when, when they were little at the Peron in Darling. We had these, these uh, art school and can, can one say clonkies? Clonkies. I, I do say clonkies. I think that, that's a class more than a racial uh, ter- term. But it's clonkies a is a nice Two clonkies. Um, and they Pickies. were there, and they did, we used to dance and everything, but I haven't seen them for some years. They're, they're, so I think it must be in sort of uh, grade 11 or grade 10. And I saw them there, say, well, how are you? I said, in the boot of the car. Whoa, like I said, how's it going at school? And they laughed, and they said, yeah, and they laughed, and they have gold teeth. I said, no, Peter, we don't go to school. We're now in the gang. We make more money than our fathers ever made. And I think that was the most shocking thing that I've heard for a long time, which means we lead by example. Crime does pay. And they are bright kids. When they were little, they had answers and questions. And I just have this terrible feeling that within a month's time, they will both be dead because of their gang warfare. So all these things are happening so close, and yet some people are so far away from it because, again, people say, but I can't watch the news, it's too depressing. Well, Evita has a great answer. Switch down the sound. You don't want to hear what they're saying, you want to see what they're wearing. What do we do about fake news? What do we do about fake news? Well, get get more news, get more news and more sensible news and more genuine news. Yeah. I've I've been involved in a controversy, as as you and Songeza know, Peter, with Ground Up, the, the website news 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 uh, media service uh, founded by Nathan Geffen 10 or 11 years ago. And they are meticulous checkers of facts. There's mm. been a, a great debate this week because I think uh, City Press uh, and, and, and some of its uh, associates may have miscalculated on an article which put the knife into the writer's uh, allegations about ESCOM. Mm. They said that that, uh, that the articles weren't sufficiently checked. So we simply have to rely, I believe in truth, I believe in the the power of truth-telling, Peter. And I think that's where our recourse is. There's no doubt that there are massive forces seeking to to uh, delude people, to mislead them. It's not new. Hitler did it. Mm-hmm. Hitler did it very well. But now, of course, they've got mass media to do it. So we've got to find the means of, of, of countering that also in the mass media, but it can be done. Well, I've got a sign on my computer which says, don't press send when pissed. <laughs> and that works. Very good. I think we'll have a break now. Is that right? <laughs> the Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. Good evening, Peter. Good evening to all the SAFM listeners. We are speaking to Lunga from Peter Maritzburg. I remember you did come to our small little holding in Peter Maritzburg to deliver a play in the 2001 era. It was such a great um, one-man show and till this day I can still see what you were performing and what you were saying to uh, Judge Cameron I just wanted to find out from him what is his views on the current flip-flopping that we currently see from our current government when it comes to the ICC Rome statutes thank you Lunga Peter Maritzburg 
Thank you. And uh, I think I have a caller, uh, Colin from Cape Town. Are you there? Yes, good evening. I'm holding on. Good, good evening. Good. Talk. Good evening, uh, Peter Dirk Ace. Yes. <laughs> or what I say, uh, Evita. That's and okay. judge. And judge. You know, I was listening to, I was listening to this. I heard uh, the judge saying, we've got the people. We, we can't get the people to pull this country right. And there are good people out there. Now, I would like to ask him, where are those good people? Where are they going to come from? Because our political parties seem to be ruining everything. They can't even get a mayor. They've had eight or nine mayors in the last couple of years. They can't even have a coalition together. Yet again, today I heard they broke up the adjourned, the coalition, because this one wants to be that one. That one wants to be that one. Uh, a person in Parliament today I heard on the news earning 1.5 million a year gets, this, uh, gets a, a salary deduction of five days with links of the Gupta prison's money, which was not declared. Now, you take five days of Colin, salary... Colin, may I interrupt you, please? I love it when people say collisions for coalitions. <laughs> but, Colin, may, may I thank you very much for expressing your views, which you've done very eloquently. I think there is a realignment happening. There are really impressive people. I, I don't have any, I've never met him, I don't speak for him, but there's an impressive person called Songye Zibi, who's started a new movement, who's going to start a new political party. I think we're going to get a realignment. We, but Colin has also put his, his finger on the problem, Peter. The problem is our political class. Mm -hmm. The people like us, mm -hmm. the people who earn salaries and who talk, we, we have gone astray. The people of South Africa who are not in the privileged elite, they have always been willing to work, but it's been mismanaged by the political class. Now, there are ways in which we can fix that, and, 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 and we can. But I want to get back to Lunga's question, because it was such a horrible question. Lunga, how can you come on to Peter Dirk Ace and Songeza show and ask me a, a question about the Great ICC? job, Lunga. Great job. Lunga, I, I, I want to say, Lunga, it's a beautiful question, and I'm a lawyer that goes by the law. We have signed the Rome Statute. We have undertaken to uh, arrest even heads of state who are under warrant of arrest from the Rome Statute. We have domesticated the Rome Statute. So I'm simply one following the law, and I hope it's not controversial. As a lawyer, I believe that we have to put our faith in process and in the rule of law properly applied. Do we have another caller, Gole from uh, Polokwane? Are you there? Yes, hello, how are you? I'm good, good. Nice to I'm talk okay. to you. I'm okay, Evita. I'm Peter Derek. Yes. I'm, I'm happy about your sense of humor. Thank you. You see, you put smile on our face. You know, South Africans are very funny people. Yeah, yeah. Even when you go through this uh, ESCOM terrible mess yes. and, and, and load shedding, we still put the smile in the face and That's laugh about correct. it and talk about it. And uh, I think you still have uh, a lot of things play to go around. You know, your, your house is full, your bank is full. You still have the money stuffed in Russia, Red Bank, like you said before. You still have this ESCOM. You still have these municipalities in the rail and coalition, like uh, uh, Colin said. Collision. Uh, 
Yeah, the coalition, you see. <laughs> yes, yes. And, 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 you know, for, for Judge Cameroon, I know that somebody's touched about the, the wrong statute. I don't think the NEC or the ANC has got the power to reverse the decision of the conference. They have to wait for another conference. So they're just playing because they took a resolution that they may not leave the IEC. So they, are, they will have to stop putting to come because if he come, they will be expected to arrest him. But when you come to Judge Cameroon, the most interesting things, I don't smoke, I don't drink, but I follow these, these marijuana dark things. Mm. You know, mm. the law is just messed up. Mm. People stay in the flat. Mm. They don't have place to plant, mm. but they're expected to plant. How will they plant it? Say in, a, in one unit, they've got five people who smoke. Where will they get it if they can't buy it? They only it's have to buy it because questions. they don't have... So it has got a lot of work. It's a mess. We take decision first. That's that, why we say South Africa's constitution is best on a paper. And thank we, you very much for your positive input because we know that we can get it all right. But unfortunately, our hosts are indicating to me now that our time, our time, our time, our time, our time has come up. It's so not quickly. fair. Songhezo shouldn't have, should have given us three hours. SABC should have got us for three hours. You want to stay on the other side of the break because I'm more than happy to listen, as I'm sure the listeners Don't are more than happy bluff. to have you. No, it's not a bluff at all. No, I like your chair. I really like your chair. I might take it home with me. Do you like the person sitting on the chair? Yes. Not so bad, honey. I like the look. <laughs> Peter Dugais, Justice Edwin Cameron, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming through. Thank you so much for honoring the listeners with candid responses to some very serious social questions. Yes. Final comment from you, Judge. One minute final comment from you, Peter Dirk Ace. Or shall I say Tani afterwards? No, Tani's not here. Tani's not here. Still in the boot? In the boot. Not suffocating? No, not yet. Not yet, okay. <laughs> Judge? I came back this morning after six days in Portugal on the family trip that we described, celebrating my survival for 25 years after ARVs. And I was just struck again by what a wonderful place we live in and how it is up to us to get it right. And if you don't have a copy of the book penned by Justice Edwin Cameron and launched in 2014, incidentally, at the Constitutional Court, please get your hands on that book. It's aptly titled Justice. And there's a picture of a very handsome young man there who is not 70 in the picture, Justice Edwin Cameron. Peter, yes. you've got 30 seconds to say goodbye to your loyal listeners. And I want to just say that I have an agenda. I would like to see community become the jewel in the crown of democracy. What's because happening this weekend? What's happening this weekend? Happening this weekend? I'm at the, uh, uh, I'm at the uh, uh, Monte Cassino doing my show, The Echo of a Noise. We have a performance on Friday at 7.30, Saturday at 4 o'clock, and Sunday at 3. I entertain you 90 minutes. You won't hear anything else from anybody except me. And bring the children because they can ask you questions in the car on the way home. <laughs> Mommy, what did he mean when he said that word? Peter Dirkes, Edwin Cameron, gentlemen, I can never thank you enough. It's time for photos, but at the same time, it's time for us to go to news. Who's reading news? It is, ah, my brother, Gimudu B. Mahalimed, it's 21 hours.